When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think it'd be quite intriguing to see there was talks of things like salary caps. It's quite intriguing to see if that would ever come in. I don't know whether it will, um, because that would start weaving the playing field to a certain extent. You would see um, a drain of talent go out of the Premier League, though. You see it with Super League in, 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 oh, in uh, Rugby League, where the amount of players that leave Super League and go to the NRL yeah. because they can afford more money because the salary caps on Super League players is... yeah. And th- this is what I mean. You'd have to have salary caps around... well. Say around the world, around Europe, it definitely, and then obviously they'd all go to Saudi. Then (laughs) (laughs) we're back there. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? If you don't know, you'd have Saudi clubs playing in England, which would be quite hilarious. Um, But it's, it's, yeah, something needs to happen with it. You know, because it's going to reach a boiling point where, yeah, God knows what. Um, And you can see the, the, you know, the murmuring starting to happen already, where. It is getting a bit boring. I mean, the tight race of season, you know, Liverpool, what are they, five points clear? I think City got a game in hand, etc. Um, and it might run close, but it's it's not it's not amazing to watch. I'm not sad to, you know, I don't, I, for example, the, the Premier League was on this weekend, obviously, with the staggered winter break. I watched a bit of Sheffield uh, United against uh, West Ham. I saw 20 minutes, which was the best bit, to be fair. And that was it. I didn't want much else because it's I, there was no real games on that I was that interested in. Yeah, Everton weren't playing for obvious reasons because um, you know we had played the week before, but it still didn't really strike me as like oh god, there's just four, four games this weekend that I have to watch. But whatever it was, there was most of the games I was like, okay, well, that'll be you know, well, Arsenal going to be Palace most likely, and they did quite comfortably. Um, was it Brentford? Forest was a nil nil draw. Three, three two Brentford, no, mate. Three, two, that was the Ivan Tony, yeah. the Ivan Tony right, show, mate. Sorry, wrong game. I'm 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 getting mixed up with Brighton and Wolves. I was going to bring up Ivan ah. Tony in a second, um, but there was no real games on that I was that fussed about. But um, if you want to link that through to the Ivan Tony situation, I've got some thoughts Ooh. about that yes, one. Yes, well, we've got a question regarding Ivan. Have we now? Well, we did. Yes, we have. Okay, yes. fabulous. Bring it on. Go for it. Basically. Um, was his approach, shall we say, to his um, goal-storing free kick cheating or not cheating? That is the question. Mm. Um, I'm going to throw it in there. Go on, Dave. Well, cheating, enhancing. He should have been pulled up on it. I think if we're looking at the pedantics of whether the ball's overhanging a, uh, you know, the corner segment of a pitch for a corner. You know, it's got to be overhanging the line or it can touch the line, but it can't be. But if you're looking at that, if the referee says that's where you're taking the ball from, that's where you're taking the free kick, whether that's where the foul was or not, if that's where the ref is saying he's going from, and then the wall is being set up 10 yards away, then he can't move that ball. I know if you were to, you know, get a, a yard stick out, see what I did there rather than the meter stick if you got a yard stick out and actually counted 10 yards from the ball to the wall it probably wouldn't be because the ref steps are questionable to say the least most of the time nor do they walk in a straight line then by the time they've remembered to take the spray out a second time they've only done nine and a bit steps blah 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 blah. I know it's not perfect but if they've marked that's where the ball's going from there's a reason it's been marked and there's a reason why the spray's been brought in but there you go that's my view. My argument towards it would be, how much did he move it? Half a foot? A yeah. foot, maybe? Did he really gain a massive amount of difference from where the ball was compared to where, where it ended up? I would also be more worried if I was a Forest fan about the wall that my club has created and the fact that I had to get it through the wall and pass yeah. the keeper from what wasn't a particularly great goal-scoring opportunity for a free kick. Yeah. It's cheating seems oh, too harsh. 
bending yeah. the rules, you could argue, is the best way to put it. Exploiting the rules to a certain extent, or just, you know, he's just had a go, he's just moved it, and he's got away with it. Again, it's more of an issue on the officials, which, Christ, don't get me started on the officials this year. We'd be here till Christmas. Um, but ultimately... It's time for another roast, Matt. Absolutely. Oh, fucking hell, don't. Um... <laughs> But ultimately, the amount that he moved it, did he really gain a huge amount from it? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. Um, it's just people looking at, you know, looking for anything that possible. And the, the biggest issue with him is not the fact that he moved the ball; it's the sheer hilarity of the way he was brought back into the into the fold after what he did. I've got more questions. I've, I've been more worried about, but there we go. That's just me. Yeah. The uh, the whole Undertaker. Um, fucking odd panto fucking was weird. weird Sky fully filled into it and it was like you were aware he wasn't like he wasn't some sort of career threatening injury that he's come back from yeah David Brooks got bless him what was it cancer or yeah. leukemia or something I was just going to say yeah when he came back it was like alright Dave Christian yeah, Erickson oh, basically go. died on yeah, the pitch getting... but let's bring this lad back in Christian Erickson that he died yeah. it was like for fuck's sake this is horrendous um, you know someone who's guy, illegally this guy put better. a few hackers on and he's oh, a load of hero he's back like a hero yeah I'm glad that's not just me thinking I that. I just find it bizarre. He's sponsored by Skybat. That's it. It's that's the whole Skybat thing. It's all cynical. Because yeah, they, they can't say, oh, we shouldn't have been betting. Because they want you to bet on Sky. Skybat is so lucrative as an arm of Sky. Mm-hmm. You literally go to any for Christ, who are Brentford sponsored by? Hollywood oh, yeah, Bets. Bet- Hollywood Bet- Bets. Bet- literally a fucking Bet- betting Bet- company Bet- sponsoring Bet- the, the club and the shirt. The players I mean, banned for betting on games. I mean, we can't say much. There you go. Uh, uh, I mean, look, it's difficult. Was he doing it? Piss charge. It's 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 difficult. It's difficult because I don't want to come across holier than thou because I've never put a bet on my life. So I I I can't be like you know to. Uh, well, you took a gamble when you invited me to be on. Well. The <laughs> it wasn't a financial gamble. It was, it was a more, more, more legal gamble, yes, but not a financial gamble. But I sincerely hope that Ivan Tony has got and does get the help he needs regarding any gambling addiction he may have, and that goes for anyone in the situation with the player, whoever it may be. It's horrible. Play people have lost a lot of money on it. I'm not here to say. If it was like if it was alcohol, like if it was drugs, if it was anything. I hope they're getting the support they need. Um, but do I think that we should be saying, you know, oh, he's so brilliant and I'll welcome back. He's so whatever brave or whatever they've said, and make out these some return hero. No, there should be more done to raise awareness of the perils of betting rather than just be responsible when you bet at the end of an advert. There just needs We've to lost be. Jimmy. Oh, hero, oh, we've got him back. back. Ah, you see, that deserved a hero's back return. Right. Back no, um, I'll reiterate my point then. Sorry, I don't know what's <laughs> been called and what's not. But, you know, whoever, you know, if you've got a gamma addiction, whatever, addictive traits, they need support. But a more awareness should have been raised by Sky as the pitfalls are better. They shouldn't just have a gamble response at the end of an advert. It needs to be far more done. If a guy's betting whilst playing a professional game against his own team, I believe at one point, I could be wrong on that one again. Somebody please correct me on that one. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think yeah. you're right saying that. The hilarious bit of the whole situation is he's been bad mouthed Brentford yeah. for the entire eight months yeah. he's been banned for. And as well, yeah. is, yeah. is, is it just me or is part of any of us six really, really cynical that they're bigging up Tony's return of Brentford and bigging up this amazing player because they want him to go to an Arsenal or a Chelsea and they want him to go to one of these big six clubs? And it's the whole hierarchy that if they put him down, then he's not perceived in the eyes of the fans, the media as being much. If they glorify him, oh, he's a wonderful—he is a wonderful centre forward. Don't get me wrong; he's a great—he's a great striker, great finisher. And they want to move him on to one of these bigger clubs to make him more marketable. So we're just going to gloss over mm. the fact he's got a gambling problem, which is not the way to deal with it. It's just not the way to deal with it. I mean, I suppose no. have have we got history in football? Of doing that now, so I, again, this is weird references. But if I use Rio Ferdinand coming back after missing his drugs uh, drugs test, probably banned for nine months. Pretty sure he got a bit of a hero's welcome when he came back. I think that was all televised, and it was all oh, he's back this week. And I'm pretty sure Eric Cantona got the same thing after being banned for 
how long it was after Kratty kicking a fan in the face. Mm. So there's an element of there's a bit of history with it where people who don't necessarily justify a hero as welcome will get one. Um, Just British culture, isn't it, Matt? Well, drugs. Yeah. Put a bet on. Karate hit someone in the face. <laughs> Bite someone. All, Go you're all heroes. I just want to yeah, point out, by the way, sorry to, to yeah, <laughs> on your on your point there, though, Dak. I want to broaden that to a wider point within British culture and football, if that's okay. And obviously, this weekend we saw the incident at Hillsborough with Casey oh, Palmer, um, Sheffield Wednesday and Coventry, mm. who you know Casey Palmer was racially abused by a Sheffield Wednesday fan, and both clubs have come out with a joint statement, and the authorities around that now. We have got. It seems to be a bigger societal problem these days that people feel more vindicated to say more horrendous things than ever before. Wherever you believe that comes from is entirely your opinion, but there seems to be very much a football culture of, hey, lads, let's get on the drink, let's get on the drugs, let's put an acker on and then do some completely... Which, again, if you want to do that, it's fine. If you're not harming anyone, I obviously wouldn't recommend it. You know, the cocaine problem in football and then the fact is... uh, You might get gout. Yeah, you might get gout and end up like that. But... Yeah, then the problem that's coming in society and in football that you know you go to a lot of away ends, you're going to hear something unfortunately a bit wrong, not on the level necessarily of racist, but you're going to hear yeah. things that are offensive and awful. And what do you think can be done to curve that real quote unquote lads, lads, lads culture around? I mean, alcohol is a is a staple of any football match it seems, and that's fine. You can go to the game, have a drink, and get a game, and have not. But when it comes to like the drugs, when it comes to this betting beyond your means, and when it comes to certainly any sort of racial, you know, sexist abuse, anything like that, it's becoming more and more prevalent. We saw it in Italy as well the same night with Mike Magnan and Udine from Milan. What do you think needs to be done, and what can be done in that situation? I, I, I think um, I'll, I'll just make mine brief, but the. Um... If you think if you're talking about other sports, for instance, that we, that's that's football that we're talking about in terms of if we're getting a lot of bad bad things there, aren't we? In football, sometimes I go to watch the ice hockey. So sometimes I go and watch Manchester Storm or Blackburn Hawks. You're allowed to um, you're allowed to take alcohol to your seat at the ice hockey, and one of my mates does it quite regularly. And he, he'll he'll get like a, a picture of of beer, and he'll just sit there with the ice hockey, no issues. And there's obviously different rules and regulations in ice hockey, and the fans is a bit more um, not respect, but there's there's other there's other levels of when the game is in play, you can't move, you from you can't get up and go to the toilet. You have to wait until the the, the the puck is out of play, then you can go out and go to the toilet, so you're not blocking anyone's view and things like that. I think actually, I would say most of the time, I think it's down to the individual sometimes because. I know, I know what you're saying, Jim. In terms of what can we do about it, but I think from the get-go, I think it's, I think it is the individual sometimes because you can go to other sports that are, and you can have a good time, and you can, you can drink in your seat, and you can go with your mates. Like we, all of us four could go and watch Manchester Storm next week and sit with our beers and have a good time and go home. But Greg, if, I am busy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. But um, I think it is. I think it's the individual sometimes, Jim. Do you, yeah. do you think that's the case? No, I I think as well, uh, Greg. That, and I think this has been brewing for quite a few years. And then I think on the back end of COVID, where people have just kind of, and I mean, we're kind of going off football a little bit here, but there's that kind of like anti-establishment, um, anti-authority. You can't tell me what to do. Blah blah blah. blah. And I don't know why it's stuck more with football, but I think if we're totally honest, has it ever not been a part of football? I think it has. And I think it was maybe stamped out to a to an extent. Um and I think it's it's come back and, and reared its ugly head. And I think I mean we've touched on this a few times, haven't we? I think with <coughs> things like Twitter, well, X or whatever now as well, that just makes things ten times worse as well. Um and I I really don't know. I think it's it's something obviously for the authorities to try and sort, isn't it? I mean, as you say, you can go and watch so many other sports and it doesn't play a part where there's drink or where there isn't drink, and then it comes to football and it's kind of like societal norms go out the window and people just do whatever they want, which isn't right. Um, yeah, I don't really, I don't know how you'd even begin to start to tackle it, to be honest. 
Um, bomb making everybody up and sticking a timbre on everyone. I, it's difficult because it's been going since the seventies and the sixties, hasn't it? Yeah. In different, in, in in a more, um, in a different form, you could say. Like I remember, like my dad used to go watch different clubs, obviously, like Bury Rochdale United, whoever. And you, people are getting their heads kicked in all the time. And some of the stories that he's told me about, and he's waiting at the bus stop, and there's like a loads of like Burnley fans coming towards him because he's wearing red, and they think that oh, he's a United fan, we'll kick his head in. It's, I think it's always it's always been with with the not always but like it didn't I don't know if you would have heard about it in the nineteen thirties as much but definitely in the sixties and seventies there were a lot of hooliganism and in different levels it was it, it was an, it was in a different form wasn't it now it's I don't know what it's become do you know I think to be honest it's starting to go back to how it was and that whole <coughs> football fan culture and all the fashion side of it and all of that, and like you're saying, from like the 60s, 70s, 80s, all of that, organised mobs and whatnot, um, and that that has started, I think, to to kind of come back through again. Um, I mean, the, the MK Don's game there at um, Tramway the weekend before last, there was blue murder after it. There's no rivalry with Don's, no idea what's, you know, there was a, a late goal, and I think there was a bit of it to do with their bench, that's kind of started it, but then to go outside and kick seven bells out of each other, really? Is that something that's needed? Ridiculous. I find it more sad when you see these things happening. You just think, this is outside the ground. There's kids walking past. There'll be all sorts of families who just want to after and out of the football. And you've got some bunch of dickheads who just think, oh, you know what, yeah, well, this is how I, 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 want, I want to enjoy it. Which is bound to scrap or someone. It's like, what? Well, I don't understand what part of it. Like, I get involved in football. Don't get me wrong. I, when I go to the game, I want to get animated. I want to get involved in it. At no point has my thought press ever been, damn, that team scored against us. Right, that guy's going to go kick in the fucking chin. Is that, well, no, because if I met him in any other situation, why would I want to go and kick him in the head? It's, it's just, it's bizarre. I've, I've never got that culture behind it. I've never got that. No. Maybe maybe I just don't care enough about it, but I can't, oh, I'm too level-headed. But I've never got so angry at a game of football with either losing it or winning it and the fact that someone else, purely because they support a team who's not mine, that I have to go and have a punch-up with them. It's it's bizarre. It's, in my head, it's, it's completely foreign. I don't get it. It's just, yeah, uh, daft. But unfortunately, it's something I don't think is ever going to go anywhere. I think anywhere. it's the same with, with what happened with Casey Palmer as well. If you saw, you know, if that Sheffield Wednesday fan saw Casey Palmer walking down the street, would he just shout racial abuse at him? Yeah, Most definitely not. Of course he wouldn't. You wouldn't, so, you wouldn't I mean, want to mess with him as a professional athlete. He, he, he would. One, yeah. you've done it in front of a stadium full of... What, two? Bit the crap at it. One, you've done it in front of a stadium full of people, mm. which has got cameras in yeah. there. So you're going to get caught oh, straight yeah. away. So why even do it to begin mm. with? And also, now you've done it, that's going to be against your name. Well, that's not like Time Stadium, Because it'll be a criminal thing, I'm sure, that'll go yeah. against it. Be... The old criminal. He loses his job, just, everything. Because of one moment where he's just lost his head over... Over a, over a game, a game of just, second division football. Yeah. It's, it is, it's, it's pathetic. And Stupid. again, it's not just sure, a I can't sit here and say I'm holding it out. No, I've shouted in the UK. It's a problem in other places. places. Something to the ref, whatever else. But never gone that far, fucking hell. No. Hmm. No, it's 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 poor. Bizarre. It's really poor. I don't know if you guys have ever have you ever have you ever been to going slightly well same um, ballpark what we're talking about. Have you ever been in the stadium where you know it's going to kick off? I've been in situations where it's felt nasty. The the one that springs to mind, Jimmy, probably agree with me on this one, was Rooney's return to Everton. To yeah, that's the exact one I had in cup, mind. The cup game, where the fifth round, it be wasn't enjoyable. Yeah. It wasn't. It mm. was. Sometimes you get you get. It was bizarre because you had that game in. I'm going to guess it was the February, January, February time. Then they played it again in April, and the April game felt totally different. Where it was, it was a great. Now they won one day. It was a brilliant evening because it never felt nasty. It felt competitive. It felt like a rivalry that was just a game that was just good. Good to the first game just felt nasty. It just felt. Um, how to put it? It just. Yeah, it was hard. It wasn't a nice place to be because clearly what happened on off the pitch was getting to the players on the pitch. They lost two 0 I think Ronaldo scored, and I forget who got the other one. Quentin but it was Fortune, there was no there was no backing of the team. What was Quentin Fortune? Was it? But there was no the fans weren't backing the team. The fans were just there to 
hurl abuse at Wayne Rooney, and it was like, well, that's the, the best way to get back at him is to go and win the game of football, surely, not just... I just remember Goodison Road you know, being full of right police and us leaving early, because it was like, it was yeah. just getting toxic. It was, it was just yeah, before nasty. the game it was toxic, and after the game it was just horrendous. Mm-hmm. And that's the only time I think I've ever felt... Yeah, Saturday night, wasn't it? It was, it was a hard five BBC kick off. off it was one of the few times I've genuinely felt quite unsafe yeah. in a game of football, even when a home game, when you're surrounded by your own I, supporters. I, I've been to... We've both been to most side derbies and never felt that bad. Derby's never felt the same way at all. It felt it was clear there was a rivalry, but it never felt dangerous. Mm. What's that? Sorry, I, I keep cutting out. Sorry, what's I that? Mean, I mean, I've been at a few as well. Like obviously, like at a, a lower level, so conference, um, Wrexham, Manchester, both of those away, both bubble matches. That's obviously a long um, lasting rivalry. I think to be fair, out of the two of them, Chester was actually more. Intimidating is not the right word, but because the ground is so much smaller, if that makes sense, it's kind of that thought of if something goes wrong here, there's not really a plan B to get out. If that, do you know what I mean? Because it's such a, yeah. a small environment. Um, so they they weren't particularly pleasurable, and both of those were, were kind of bubble matches. You got off the coach, handed your ticket, and you were straight in the turnstile. Um, I remember a few interesting games against Notts County as well, kind of around say the 2010-ish season and I think there were a few kind of like contentious results you know like last minute winners away and so on that kind of built a bit of a an issue with them over the years but generally fine um, but the one that comes to mind it was under Mickey Adams reign and we played um, Mansfield away and there was there was basically a, an altercation between a fan and a steward um, who to this day, from what I saw, I would I would say that the fan was probably right. Um, and the police then came in in numbers, obviously thinking that there was more of an issue than there was. That then sparked, and I don't think that they'd done anything wrong. They just you know responded as as they would, um, and then that then sparked a reaction in the away end, and it turned into pff, 200, 250 fans rioting against the police. And the away end um, there is kind of like sunk down, if that makes sense. So it's kind of like you're probably two or three foot below pitch level, um, and quite a quite an open space in front of that like front row of seats. And it was just a sea of carnage, and that then spilt out to outside the ground. And one of the things that always stuck in my mind was um, there were fellas fighting outside the ground and then they were sending women and kids back inside the ground to go and get the glass bottles from by the bar to bring out for them to throw at the police. And it was just like, you're there to watch it. Like, we were all annoyed. The club was in a terrible state of affairs at the time. You know, a lot of... Basically what we covered with the Ian Hume episodes, you know, players that were being left out of the squad that shouldn't have been and so on and just, like, tactically inept performances. But there's a, there's a line, isn't there? Do you know what I mean? Like, stewards and police, they've got families to go home to and as mm. players. And, you know, there's, there's a competitive edge and there's back in your team. And we've all been there. And as you say before, Matt, you know, you get involved a little bit and, you you know, you might shout, you know, you're fat so-and-so or you're this, that and the other. But there's nothing, there's nothing meant. It's just... And it, it, that's it's, not it, it's not throwing that term. Oh, it's banter. Do you know it's that it's it's light-hearted. It's stuff that you'd say to someone in a pub. Do you know what I mean? Or, yeah, do it, you know what I mean? It's, it's you, you're not trying to hide behind the wall of fans, is what I'm saying. Exactly. It's it's nothing you wouldn't. You know, you might get annoyed at someone. It's but say it's someone's reaction on the pitch. If it's yeah. if it's the refs made a bad decision, or you know, it's a player that as annoyingly, it's normally it's because they play particularly well against you, yeah, for example. Usually. Yeah. You <laughs> might have a go. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But you'd never make it personal to the point where it's about their you know, the the core of their skin. That's just insane. Um unfortunately it's crept back into football a lot more in recent years. Um and I d I don't know what you do about it. I mean the only thing I would say is if you see it, call it out. It, yeah. it's a tough one to do and it's and that applies to Many different things it applies to misogyny, it applies to applies to all different things you might hear in a game of football that are not supposed to be there. Um if you hear it, if you see it, call it out and be that bigger person. Um it's not a nice conversation to have to, for people at times, but if the conversation is there to be had, have it. Absolutely. And uh, just going back to what you're on about in terms of being in those um, stadiums and atmospheres where you think is it going to kick off or is it not and it's the, the, these obviously it's you know I think the only 
the one that sticks out for me with Rochdale is we played Hull City away, and this is one of the reasons why I don't like here Hull City. I think it was uh, Boothbury, Boothbury Park, the old stadium. It was absolute awful stadium. But I think um, it, it was definitely that game. But anyway, we, I think we must have scored early on, and like the old City fans were just in an absolute uproar. And they were like a very thin fence dividing our... Well, dividing the away fans to the, to the home fans. I thought, they, they, can, they can get through that. But anyway, I think, well, the batters at the, the batter does at the end of it, the, 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 the score. And then leaving the stadium, it was just awful. I remember my uncle, like, legging it to the car. My uncle was with us. Like, me and my dad were just like, shit, this is going to get a bit... And I was only a kid. I was about 16 or something like that, or 15. I was thinking it was a bit very ropey. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's not nice, is it, sometimes? You just, you just want to go to a game, regardless of, of the result, and then, you know, come home, don't you, really? But... It's creeping back in all of that kind of stuff. Like we mentioned, different um, different problems. Unfortunately, it definitely is. Okay, folks. Um, so we've, we've, we've got an hour and a half. Yeah, no problem. Um, I've just got a few quiz questions, and we can finish if you want. You we, can, um, we can. Um, we can. We'll say this, up. but also, mid, mid, I appreciate it's twenty past nine, but my dinner yeah. is ready, so I want to try and make a move as soon as uh, possible. The, no the, problem. The things okay, that, well, that get in the way of this podcast, last dinner, some of these Dex dinner. Let's go. Will it have my seal of approval, Matt? Talk me through it whilst Greg prepares uh, the uh, the quiz. I don't know what it is. So in other words, in, in other words, yes. Mystery dinner. I think it's something to do with pulled pork. Whoa, hey, oh. Yeah, probably. I think I think it's pulled pork. You're pulling your pork, Matt. Oh, pulled pork, I'm back in, I'm back in. Deck loves pulled his pork. Dear me. I'm right. looking for Matt's pulled pork. If we can make this as soon as possible, that'd be really nice because I'm actually quite hungry. Right, no problem. So, my questions for this edition. I found, uh, I was on Peter Reed's Twitter account the other day. And I'm just so glad you said that. There. I should do. It's a regular Wednesday occurrence. What's really talking Early about? Early hours, Saturday uh, morning. What's, what, what's really what, retreating? What red wine is drinking what's, tonight? What's a great man. What's a great man. But anyway... Well, what is that? Speaking of thought, Xbox Buzz, sorry, Chris, just, yeah. just interrupt you. Yeah, yeah. Ray Parler's Twitter page is hilarious because all that guy does is just get pissed and run. <laughs> Seriously, follow Ray Parler, it's weird. Anyway, I mean, Greg, Jimmy, does, Jimmy does one of those. Uh, well, just both. He's not drinking. <laughs> right, okay, so I was, on, I was on Peter Reed's Twitter account and I thought, what's this link that he's put in his bio? <laughs> so, Jesus Christ. Really? He's on, he's on um, you, you've heard of like, is it Cameo? fans. Well, it's a side hustle. This is a side hustle question. So, it's a bit like Cameo where you can pay Michael Owen to give you a birthday message like, um, happy birthday, Steve. Hope you have a good birthday. And you can pay Michael Owen to do that, can't you? You've heard of Cameo. Is it Cameo? Do you think we should start one of those? Absolutely not. Yes. I'd be up for it. So, anyway. Absolutely not. So Peter Reed is part. Oh, and Jimmy's left on that note. But anyway, he can he can catch us up on this. Um, so Peter Reed is on one called it's called Memo, and it's an American version of Cameo, where you can pay Peter Reed to give you a birthday message, and other various football stars as loads of people on here. There's, there's Mike Lowen, Robbie Fowler, all kinds of stuff. So I thought I would just. Um, I've, I've screenshot some of the some of the players that are on memo, and I want you to try and guess how much they are charging for a happy birthday message. Okay, <laughs> on memo. Right. So I'm going to go for how much do you think? Um, how much do you think Marcus Bentz is charging for a video to say happy birthday oh, to you? you? Hoping you pay me. Given twenty-two, given he got done for some serious criminal oh, shit right. a while ago. Gonna say, well, I'm going to what pounds or dollars? So it's in it's in dollars here, unfortunately, oh, okay. because it's, it's, it's an American I'm site. Gonna go four dollars. Okay, it feels harsh because I can't be bothered working out the math. But I can't I imagine Marcus is getting many requests. <laughs> but maybe a few, a few. Well, I don't know. Are you back? I think Jimmy's I back. I'll I'll repeat the question shortly, but we'll we'll go. What do you think, Deck? Are you going higher or lower than Matt's number there? Uh, I'll go higher. Okie dokie. And what do you reckon that is in terms of twenty quid? Twenty quid. I know I've changed that three times. Twenty quid. 
And so I'll, um, dollars, but we'll, we'll, we'll do the exchange rate when you get to it. So. I'll, I'll I can, I can it, hear you. Yeah, my connections keeps dropping out. So something about Cameo, Peter Reed, and no. Marcus Ben. No. But carry on with that. Imitation. Anyway, it's better. So I'd say I can't. I can't hear him for some reason. Is he? No, is he sent on WhatsApp? Let's have a look. No. My connection is fully gone here. It's fully. Anyway. If you can, we'll try and get to Jimmy at some point eventually, at some point with one of the next questions. Okay, so Darren Bent, how much is he charging? I got Darren Bent or Marcus Bent. Sorry, Marcus Bent. Marcus I was going to say, what, if it's Darren Bent? Well, hang on a minute. I'll change my answer. Definitely Marcus Bent. Definitely Marcus Bent. Four dollars. Four dollars. Okay, Matt's gone for four dollars. Deck, you said twenty dollars, haven't you there? Yeah. Twenty dollars for a happy birthday message from Marcus Bent. Deck is the closest. It's nineteen dollars. Oh, what? Who the fuck's paying that? Not me. Yes. I mean, I got Jimmy's birthday present sorted for this year. That's not the point. <laughs> that's, that's, that's Marcus Bent. Between that okay. and Nigel Farage. Um, right, we'll go to the next one. Um, if you um, start talking, if you can hear with Jimmy, I'm not too sure if he's still there or not. Good I, am, me, I am still here. No, <laughs> yeah, you can't hear you. Sorry, Right, so we'll go to the next one. Frank. Frank Sinclair, how much do you think Frank Sinclair is charging oh, he's for got a, a, he's got a happy birthday me. message 30 quid. from the big man himself? Right, sing as I got... In dollars. If Bent's charging $19, I'm going to say... The, Frank 30 quid. See, Frank Sinclair's got a bit of a cult hero, so I'm going to say $24. Oof, right 32. Let's put yours in there. <laughs> Very weird numbers for a bit. It's like a really right. weird charity auction. It is, isn't it? It really is. How much am I willing to pay? (laughs) How much are you willing to pay to speak to Frank Sinclair? Um, Okay, so Matt's gone for $24. Deck has gone for $32. And Matt's the closest. Matt is the closest. Uh, Frank Sinclair is charging $21.50. Yes. That's mental. Um, We'll just do two more and then we'll wrap up completely. Hang um, on, do one more because it's best of three then. Ah, Ooh, yes, yeah. that's fine. Um, okay, we'll go Blood for maths. Michael Owen. Michael Owen, a happy birthday message or any any message from um, from Michael Owen on the American site Memo. How much is Michael Owen charging in dollars to say happy right. birthday? Right, or... Deck. So Deck, we've got to think about this because Michael Owen has got a pretty fucking big ego. And forehead. We can both agree on that one. And yeah, a big forehead yeah. as well. Yeah. So hey, I think Personally. I would be inclined to agree with that. Would you know? So we both think, basically, we both, we both think Michael Owen's a massive cunt. So that's fine. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to say $120. Ooh, that's going for $120. So, so yeah. Jimmy has guessed 150 according to our WhatsApp group. So, so is he? You, right. I was, thinks, go, I was going to so go with Even Jimmy thinks he's a bigger so I'm going to go with 125. Oh, smart. Right. So you've, you've, you've taken mm. my 120, so 125. Sorry, Dex gone for 125. Yeah. 125. So this is Michael Owen on memo. For the record, I will not be paying video. him this, by the way. Not I've still chance. got a life-size cut-out of him in my mum and dad's loft. <clears> signed. Have you? Mm. Why? Won it on a competition when I was about 10, less than that. competition was this? McDonald's. On Radio City. Oh, nice. Yeah. RIP, Mm. as of April. I know. Ah. So, Michael Owen. Deck, you've gone for $125. Is that correct? Yeah. Matt Matt has gone for $120. Mm -hmm. Jimmy has gone for $150. Jimmy's the closest. Jimmy's the closest. And he's charging... One hundred and sixty-six dollars. Honestly, I'm not joking. We're in the wrong business, boys. Yeah. We are in the wrong business. Jesus Christ! Yeah. There you go. There's the uh, screenshot. To, to quote Jimmy from the WhatsApp group. Yeah. And for the uh, for the audio listeners, Greg's just yeah. shown us a screenshot of Michael Owen's OnlyFans page. Which I went to do with no, toes, no. and it's it, was that Paul Stoles that was on his likes <laughs> list. Certainly. Well, this is it. What a weird. So. Um, Dex won one, Matt's won one, and oh, Jimmy's won one. Best of three, there you go. So, okay, you go. so you've all won around there. A cheeky um, little three-way on a Tuesday night. School sports day, everybody wins. Everyone's got a medal. Everyone's Everyone's got a, a winner, apart from the PE teacher, who's absolutely knackered in the middle of the field. 
Yes. And yeah, you would know. So, <laughs> so yes, Deck has won the Darren Bent question. Matt won the Marcus Bent. Marcus, Marcus Bent. Marcus Bent. It is Marcus Bent. If it was Darren Bent, I, I want a recount because I've been... No, no, sorry. That's, been that's, that's, I've, shown you the, I've shown you the screenshot. That's definitely... <laughs> Jimmy's Marcus. just commented, Owen Lee, Owen Lee fans. I had Owen Lee fans. fans. <laughs> oh dear me. I'm not reading out what he's just put next. <laughs> no, we don't want to do that. I might, if you want me to. Um, um, no, 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 we can't do that. No, 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 sure. watershed, watershed. So you've all won a round. You've all won a round. <laughs> so, I'll, uh, seeing as Jimmy's not here, I'll do the customary farewell. I don't know what happened to Jimmy's internet, but he's uh, he's uh, communicating he's through off. the medium of WhatsApp. He's been, have been cut off. He's yeah, been cut off. Up. Not been paying the bills. We've warned him about this. <laughs> he's moving out soon, isn't he? It's the whole point. Uh-huh. So we'd, all, we'd like everybody... Well, we'd, I'd like to thank the lads for joining us once again. Matt, Deck and Jimmy for joining us uh, uh, for another episode of It's Only a Game. Um, it's Owenly like, a Game. It's Owenly uh, a Game. Uh, hey, so there uh, that's go. the episode. It's Owenly a Game. There you go. Uh, we'd like to thank the listeners for listening to some of these episodes as well. Thank you very much for downloading. So all 30 of them. <laughs> all 30 and Happy a half. Happy 30th. 30, yeah, 30 and a half, sorry. Do apologise. <laughs> uh, and I'm also, at the end of this uh, at the end of this episode, I'm going to bolt on some voicemails. Uh, voicemails? Voice notes. Even. Voicemails. They've had from various other podcasts. We've had the What A Ball Eight lads have been in touch on the voice notes with their favourite January transfer signings. So we're going to bolt a few of those on the end of the podcast. Excelente. So, there we go. Um, thank you all for listening, and thank you very much, lads. Cheers, everyone. Yeah, take it easy. Matt, enjoy your pulled pork. I cannot wait. I look forward to the review. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye for now. Cheers, everyone. Bye. Hello there. The name's Chris Hardy. I'm a Burnley fan since... since I was 10, and I'm now 43. It's been a bit of a tough one to uh, think about all these January transfer windows that we've done. So I've had a look back and I always thought Ian Wright was a January transfer window. But he wasn't, it was February, so I couldn't really uh, choose him. Which I would have chosen him first because it was unreal to watch Ian Wright play for us. Uh, same with Gaza, he was another one that was March, I think. So so I've chosen two players. <clears throat> My first one is um, Stephen Caldwell. He came in January um, and he became captain of the football team. And he led us to victory to finally get us up to the Premier League in 2009-2010. And to this day, bar my daughter being born, um, it was quite possibly the best day of my life at Wembley when we went up. And to watch Stephen Caldwell, the way he played, he was captain fantastic. I don't think I've seen a better captain at Burnley. Um, and he, the way, and just watching lift that trophy on the day at Wembley, um, I'm man enough to admit it. I cried my eyes out. So he's definitely 100% my best. Uh, signing uh, as a January signing I've seen in my, all, in my 33, 34 years of watching Burnley um, secondly I'd probably say Michael Keane we got him on loan from Man United originally and then he signed in January uh, for an undisclosed fee like they always say um, and he was pivotal to, to us staying up uh, in the Premier League to getting up back to the Premier League when we went down um, he scored a really important goal at Brighton um, because a really bad decision went against us and I was at that game Brighton away um, and we scored in literally near the last minute uh, and it was Michael Keane that did it and it, the whole place just went mental and he was, was a really good defender he's struggling a bit at Everton now but for Burnley he didn't put a foot wrong and, and he also won me a lot of money on some bets because he scored some first goals for me as well um, so yeah, uh, as you can tell I do like defenders I also like strikers but Burnley's never really signed a decent striker that I can remember in my lifetime that, that's gone on to do well um, so yeah, I hope that makes sense and uh, yeah so there's my uh, two two players that I can remember uh, that have always stuck out for me is January transfer signings for us. Hi guys, hope you're all well. This is Adam. I'm a Manchester United fan. My two favourite January transfer signings are number one, Bruno Fernandes, who joined us from Sporting Lisbon in 2020. And he had a very good record there. And we didn't think he'd be able to replicate that in England and he absolutely smashed it in his first season. And since then he's scored some amazing goals, uh, provided some really wonderful moments for us. And he's got one trophy in the bag. Hopefully he'll get a few more. And my second favourite January transfer signing was Henrik Larsson, who only played for Manchester United for about two or three months. 
Um, that was in 2007. And I remember at the time, because I used to watch him a little bit when he played for Celtic and I saw a little bits of him when he was on highlights at Barcelona. So that when we did sign him, it was just like a bit of a, a novelty. Uh, we knew he wasn't going to be there for long, but it was just really enjoyable seeing him play. And I did get to see him live, which was pretty amazing for me. So yeah, they're my two favourites. Cheers. Have a good one. Hello, fellas. It's Gary from What A Ball A Podcast. And as you know, I am a, a Sunderland fan. Uh, thanks for asking us to, to take part um, with this January transfer window signing um, recording. Um, so first and foremost, start with uh, number two and then work up to number one. So number two for me has to be a very creative midfielder, one of the most creative midfields I think I've ever seen play for Sunderland in my time. Um, and that is uh, Stefan Sessegnon, who we signed from PSG for six million. What he brought to the like the team was just... He was very tricky, very creative, and you know we really lacked that for for a long, long time in our team. And you know going forward, just such a creative entity. He got a couple of goals as well. I think um, in his first season signing from January, he got about three goals, and then I think about seven or eight uh, for the, the next couple of seasons. Just sad that we kind of lost him for little to no feet at West Brom. I think he had a bit more ability than that, but it is what it is, really. But he he was a brilliant, brilliant signing. But for me, number one, it has to be Jermaine Defoe. Um, he was just a brilliant player all throughout his career, let's be honest. But the move and, and the deal that got, got done for it, swapping Josie Altador, who was, let's be honest, crap um, for, for Jermaine Defoe, was, was just a brilliant move on all parties concerned, to be honest. And, um, you know, he, he contributed some, some really good goals and uh, just... You know, he was he was really brilliant for us, to be honest. And you know, sorry Jimmy, but you know, he scored his fourth goal of the season in a two-one win against Everton, um, which uh, saw you lose your first home game of two thousand and fifteen, and also moved us out of the relegation zone. So, played a massive part in keeping us up that season. The following season, scored fifteen goals, including a twenty-two yard volley against Newcastle. Um, famous for for Tim Krul going down the touchline at half time and. Pretty much congratulating him with that goal as well. Unfortunately, he got relegated that season though, and he had to move on. He moved on to Bournemouth. But for me, as far as a January transfer goes, Jermaine Defoe it is for me. Thanks for having us on, fellas. Cheers. Hello, it's Only a Game podcast. It's Joe from the Albion Obsessed podcast here to give you my two favourite January signings um, for the Albion. It was very difficult to narrow it down to two, so thanks for that. And so my, my two favourite would be, first of all, an Argentine who goes by the name of Leonardo Ujar and came into the club. Um, we we released Glenn Murray, obviously he went to Crystal Palace infamously um, and we didn't really have an out-and-out goal scorer um, until he came to the club. Um, and then he, he bagged goals for us for a good season and a half and then moved on for what was at the time a, a club uh, record fee. Uh, for £8 million pounds to Leicester. Um, but he gave us some fantastic memories, notably the last-minute equaliser, uh, no, winner at Forest, uh, to get us into the playoffs. Um, and the second one, um, I think a lot of Brighton fans would say this, um, but it would be Anthony Knockart. Um, he came in halfway through the 16-17, no, the 15-16 season, um, and the boy just lit it up uh, you, you knew from the moment he started to play for us that we had a really special player on our hands um, and we almost got promoted at the end of that season um, and he would have been an integral part of that um, but then he went on to be the integral part of getting us promoted in the season after um, he had a lot of uh, things go on in his personal life that season and it made it very special um, for us to achieve that alongside him um, and then he went on to be a club legend and, and I think he will go down as one of the best players I've ever seen play for Brighton Hove Albion Football Club. So, yeah, for me, it would be Leonardo Ujoa and Anthony Knockhart. Um, so, yeah, thanks for ha having me on, guys. Um, hope to speak to you all soon um, and have a good one. Cheers. Hi, guys. It's Mark from the Project Football Podcast, uh, long-suffering West Brom fan uh, for 
36 years coming up now, I think. Um, transfer windows. Well, we've had Jeremy Peace for a chairman for a number of years prior to our current debacle of an ownership. So we've not really spent massively in, compared to other teams. But um, I think the one transfer window that stands out is probably the January one in 04-05 um, when we picked up Kevin Campbell from Everton and Kieran Richardson from Man United on loan. Uh, Campbell, like the, the elder statesman, you know, he's got that experienced head. Um, would have been there, done that with the likes of Forrest. And I think he had a spell in Turkey as well, possibly, and obviously with Everton as well, and Arsenal. Um, you know, he, he's been around a bit, knows a few of the, uh, the the dark arts, maybe, I suppose, and sort of maybe wasting time if you want nil up. Um, Kieran Richardson come through the ranks at Man United, so we had him for the, for the rest of the season. Uh, both played a very pivotal part in... Our survival, the, the great escape season as it was, although it didn't really matter the following year because we went down, but that's another story. Um, Campbell, he formed a decent partnership, I think, with uh, with Jeff Horsfield. And I remember, I think, Campbell scored at home against Everton. So, sorry, Jimmy. Um, but I remember as well, him and Horsfield against Charlton away, and I think we won 4-1. Uh, Rob Earnshaw got a hat-trick. And they were just two battering rams against the Charlton centre-halves. And then when Ernie came on, scored a trick. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, Kieran Richardson scored on the final day of the season. Um, I think he scored a free kick against someone as well at home. I can't remember who that was against. But yeah, so both massively played their roles in our survival that year. Um, and it's a season, you know, Albion fans that were... Yeah, able to remember it will do for for many years to come. Um, you know, there's been great escapes since, but yeah, as as far as that one goes, that was that was ours, and I think it was all boiled down to you know turning it around with uh, with those two signings. Well, thanks for having us on, lads, and keep up the good work. Hello, everybody. This is Sam from the Absolute Football Podcast, giving you my two favourite January transfers for Manchester United. First up is the Serbian super machine that is Nemanja Vidic, who signed for Manchester United in January 2006. We bought him from Sparta Moscow for around £7 million, I think, and he was just an absolute phenomenon. It was a slow start, it was a tricky start. He came in at the same time as Patrice Evra, and it was a really difficult settling in period for both of them. But over time, Vidic was, and he became one of the greatest centre-backs in the Premier League era. He was so... He was just such a leader. He was determined. He was strong on the ball. He was mentally just so, so difficult to play against uh, aerially, physically. And also he was decent with the ball. Didn't give him enough credit. Obviously, he played alongside Rio Ferdinand, one of the best centre-back partnerships in Premier League history for me. Now, the second name might be a bit of a surprise to people. He only played 30 matches for Manchester United. But in 2007, Manchester United had a bit of striking injury crisis. And we called on Henrik Larsson. He played 13 games, as I said, three goals he got in that time. He was just class. He came in immediately. Um, the fans took to him. He scored his debut against Aston Villa in the FA Cup. And you could just see what a top-level player he was. Coming over to sort of help us, even for that three months, I absolutely loved it when we had him in class. Obviously, had a massive career with Celtic and Barcelona, of course, internationally for Sweden. Uh, and we just saw what a great striker he was off the ball. He made some fantastic, intelligent runs. He was the focal point for our team. And he filled a massive gap for that three months. Uh, and I think Sir Alex Ferguson was absolutely brilliant to bring him in for that period. And it was key in another season where Manchester United won the Premier League title. And Larson was absolutely key because at that time, I think we were missing Louis Sahar. Alan Smith had been injured for a long period. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer as well. We'd lost Ruben Nistelrooy the previous summer to Real Madrid. So Larson coming in was absolutely massive for those key points and pushed us forward also in the FA Cup and UEFA Champions League as well. Uh, so those are my favourite two. I'm sure there's plenty of others in January. Uh, but thanks for that, guys, and have a great podcast. Hi, everyone. Stig Strand here again, Rochdale FC supporter. Um, I've got two particularly fond memories of um, loan players and signings in, in and around the January transfer windows um, for our club. Uh, I, th I think both, interestingly, came from Stockport County, the sworn enemies. Um, 
but Adam Lafondre always stuck out for me. I think it was during the 2007 January transfer window um, where he actually scored twice on his debut, um, in which were, at the time, you know, was a very impressive 5 0 defeat of MK Dons. And I suppose the start of, you know, the Keith Hill era, really, of, of, of no fear football. Um, but Adam was um, a really, really talented young striker, really small and difficult to play against. Um, and, you know, prolific, really, at lower league level. But I think, you know, moving on from Rochdale, where I think he signed for Rotherham, is where he, he had an average of, you know, one goal every two games. I think for us, he was he was averaging around about sort of one goal every three games. But he was some player. He was a complete finisher in the box, fox in the box, as they say. Um, and was sorely missed as well when, um, we, you know, we had to sell him due to, due to a tax bill, um, I believe. Uh, the second one also that, that really stood out for me, um, he went on to actually play for England and, and score on his England debut, is, is Ricky Lambert. Um, from memory, I think that was around 2005. Um, he was still relatively young, but not as young as, as Adam. Um, I think he was 23. And he was signed for an undisclosed fee just after January um, and went on to become a striker. Um, remember when he joined his debut away at... Um, Macclesfield Town I thought to myself geez he's um, he's a big lad um, but he trimmed down you know really um, excessively and went on to be a leading goal scorer for us uh, featured in all 46 games in that season scored about 22 goals as well and he was deadly around the areas outside the box really he was a free kick specialist thinking you know whenever we used to get a free kick and Lambert would step up to take them no matter whether it was 25, 34, 34 yards away, etc. It was like having a penalty at the time. Um, he really did perfect that art. And, you know, I think he's, he, he did weigh in with a, a lot of free kicks that season. Um, and he was fantastic on dead ball scenarios. And, you know, it was great to see him sort of ensure that he made his way to the Premier at some point, um, where he's sort of, his, his career um, had its pinnacle, I think, when he was playing for Southampton and then obviously had his dream move to, to Liverpool. I think that was a team that he supported as a, as a kid as well. Um, and then scoring on his England debut, yeah. So those two stand out for me. Um, two players, both from from Stockport, sadly. Um, but you know, you, you take what you can get nowadays. And um, gosh, I'd, I'd love to have an Adam Lafondre and a Ricky Lambert back at Rochdale again. That would be that would be amazing. But I think those days have gone. Hey lads, it's Manchester United fan Simon here. My two favourite signings are probably Nemanja Vidic, the long term one. He didn't actually do much in that first initial stint between January and the end of the season. But over the next few years, alongside Rio Ferdinand, they won pretty much everything and probably the best Manchester United defence of my lifetime. They were absolutely incredible as a partnership. And as more short-term one, we signed Henrik Larsson on loan one January. Not even for the rest of the season, just for a little bit of time, but it was just one of those signings. He was a few years past his best, but it was just so like exciting to have him there. It was like it felt like a real superstar had arrived. It really added to United particularly a few contributions during the Champions League run that season and he was just like a real bit of stardust for Man United I mean you know compare that to the modern day January chances that Manchester United have I think you'd have those two have a fair course every day Podcast Network.